Hello and welcome back, Supreme Court Buffs. My name is Aaron Larson, and you are listening to the fifth installment of Landmark Decisions in the United States Supreme Court. The main focus of this podcast will be to highlight the key decisions that made the Supreme Court and the United States what it is today. In today's episode, we will be looking at the 1810 decision of Fletcher v. Peck under the court of Chief Justice John Marshall. This was the first case in which the Supreme Court ruled a state law to be unconstitutional. As we saw in the last episode, Marbury v. Madison began the precedent of judicial review in the Supreme Court and allowed for the court to strike down federal laws that they deem do not align with the Constitution. Up to this point in 1810, no United States Supreme Court had ever administered judicial review with regards to a state law. It is key to note that the Supreme Court is judging these state laws with regards to the United States Constitution, not the state's personal constitution. It is also important to note that under the Articles of Confederation, the states were much more powerful than the federal government. This was the sentiment of the first Constitution of the United States. It was the main goal of James Madison and the other members of the Second Constitutional Congress in Philadelphia to empower or lift up the federal government from its earlier position under the Articles. It is key to note that John Marshall was one of the delegates at this event as well. Obviously, many states did not like this decision and they believed they should be supreme over the federal government. In fact, though, the founders stated that this is a united states, not a grouping of states. So, the idea of the Supreme Court striking down a state law was not applicable under the Articles of Confederation and was not something the court was wanting to establish in its first 22 years under the new antebellum constitution. This is because the states were not too happy about losing their power at the time, and the federal government did not necessarily want to push it to the limits this early on. Granted though, John Marshall was a rebel against the so-called norm of judicial politics. He wanted to make a lot of changes in the federal judiciary, and we definitely saw this in the last episode. These changes continue to happen throughout his tenure on the court, and definitely do not stop in Fletcher v. Peck. This case proves to be problematic in many ways, as many landmark decisions do, and it also leads to many more cases revolving around the Native Americans in the South leading up to the Civil War. The story of Fletcher v. Peck begins at the end of the American Revolution, The war ended when the new United States and Great Britain signed the Treaty of Paris, officially ending the conflict. After the signing of this treaty, Georgia claimed possession of the Yazoo lands, which was a large tract of land west of its own territory. Today, the Yazoo lands take up much of Alabama and Mississippi. Now, it was very common after the United States separated from Britain to claim western lands from the 13 colonies. For example, Massachusetts claimed some of what today is the Ohio Valley. Many states were looking to establish lands west of the Appalachian mountain range, 
something they could not do under King George. So Georgia was not alone in claiming lands reaching further west into the continent. The problem that became, though, was that the Yazoo lands were a region of an Indian reserve where many different Native American tribes lived. Naturally, the Georgia legislature divided the lands into four smaller parcels and sold the land off to development companies in 1795. This was known as the Yazoo Land Act of 1795. As a side note, this act was repealed after the next election cycle as it became apparent that the land was sold in exchange for bribes to the politicians. Incumbents were ousted in the next election cycle, and the new legislature dropped the act from its books. Many people believed that politicians in the early years were devoted to their own people and causes, but a good deal of corruption still took place and virtually never leaves American politics. Now, in 1795, when the Yazoo Land Act was still good law, Robert Fletcher and John Peck were speculators looking to buy parts of some of the tracts of land. Peck did not end up buying a tract of land until 1800 when the contract was already voided. He proceeded to sell this land to Fletcher, who sued Peck for a breach of their contract. Fletcher alleged that the voiding of the Yazoo Land Act had invalidated Peck's title to the land and the sole owners of the Yazoo lands were actually the Native Americans who were living there currently. The court unanimously ruled in favor of Peck, with John Marshall writing a majority opinion for the court and William Johnson writing a concurring opinion. A concurring opinion is one in which you agree with the majority as to the outcome of the case, but for different reasons. The court ruled that the legislature's repeal of the law was unconstitutional. Chief Justice Marshall writes that the sale of the lands to Peck by the Georgia legislature is a binding contract, and under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1 of the Constitution, a contract cannot be voided even if illegally secured. This portion of the Constitution is commonly referred to as the Contract Clause, which reads as follows. No state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation, grant letters of marquee and reprisal, coin money, emit bills of credit, make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts, pass any bill of attained heir, ex post facto law, or law impairing the obligation of contracts, or grant any title of nobility. The majority of these, which were stated in the clause, remain powers only due to the federal government, not states. But the only thing that matters to us is the last line, no state shall pass any law impairing the obligation of contracts. The Supreme Court ruled that George's voiding of the 1795 grant was invalid because it violated a clause of the United States Constitution forbidding states to pass laws interfering with contracts. Because the Yazoo Land Act of 1795 was passed, and land was bought and sold in the time period before it was repealed, 
the Georgia legislature must uphold whatever land was bought during the period between when it was signed into law and when it was taken off the books. Therefore, the lands that Peck and Fletcher bought must be recognized as their land by the Georgia legislature. The act was a contract which Georgia signed with its citizens and it must uphold their rights under the Constitution. This is coming right out of common law in England. Even though this contract was illegally secured, it must be upheld when it was in action. Marshall equated this Georgia statute to that of an ex post facto law. This is a law that makes an act illegal that was legal when committed. The speculators should not be punished for something they did during the existence of the Yazoo Land Act. This was the opinion of Marshall and his supporters on the courts. Justice William Johnson Jr. wrote a separate concurring opinion that while reaching the same result as Marshall, argued that the Georgia legislature had not violated the contract's clause. Nevertheless, he reasoned that the law voiding the land grants had violated the general principles of law Marshall had laid out. Johnson also lamented the apparently collusive nature of the lawsuit, but determined that the suit had not been brought for illegitimate purposes. Some historians claim that there was a larger plan in place here. Fletcher and Peck were working together in order to have their land secured. If the Supreme Court decided that the Native Americans in the region did not own the land and did not hold the original title, they could both gain their land through a court of law. Fletcher looked to win this case, for if he did not, it would not bode well for either man. After the Georgia legislature repealed the law, both Fletcher and Peck lost the deeds to their land as it went back to being a Native American reservation. Their deeds were null and void, which angered both men. They wanted their land back, so the best way to go about it would be to sue each other and go to court. The central question to this case was could federal courts strike down state laws that violated the Constitution? And the consensus was generally yes, which expanded the range of judicial review significantly. The act passed that repealed the Yazoo Land Act was unconstitutional because it went against the contract clause in the United States Constitution. Although the court's decision rendered Georgia's attempt to void the initial land grants unconstitutional, it did not resolve the complex issues of disputed ownership or set the appropriate level of compensation for dispossessed landowners in Yazoo. Those issues were not truly resolved until Congress passed legislation compensating speculators in 1814 that resided in the Yazoo lands. Nevertheless, two of the central legal principles the court established in Fletcher v. Peck remain important to this day. The federal courts have used the power to strike down unconstitutional state legislation on several occasions with Brown v. Board of Education and Roe v. Wade being the most significant examples in the last century. The significance of the landmark case of Fletcher v. Peck 
allows for the Supreme Court to expand its establishment of judicial review to state laws as well as federal. Although they had not done this up until 1810, it was becoming apparent they would have to use judicial review more often with state laws than federal in the upcoming years, as we will see with the cases of the Cherokee Nation. The ruling also gave further protection to property rights for the people. Chief Justice William Rehnquist later wrote that Fletcher v. Peck represented an attempt by Marshall to extend the protection of the contract clause to small businesses in the time period. Despite there being concern over the adding of judicial review to the federal courts, the Supreme Court further established it with regards to state laws in Fletcher v. Peck and remains a part of the judiciary even today. Further reading from today's podcast can be found on the Library of Congress website where court decisions are published, as well as Stuart Banner's 2005 book, How the Indians Lost Their Land, Law and Power on the Frontier, published by Cambridge University Press. Peter McGrath's 1966 book, Yazoo, Law and Politics in the New Republic, the case of Fletcher v. Peck, also serves well for this material. Come back next week when we will discuss the 1812 case of United States v. Hudson and Goodwin, and its role as a landmark case in the United States Supreme Court. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter under the username of at ALARS175 if you wish to leave me comments and questions on today's episode. I ask that you please follow, rate, and like my podcast so I can continue to improve my skills and gain listeners. Thank you for listening and see you next week. All of the work and research done for this podcast is the sole property of myself, Aaron Larson, and shall not be downloaded or redistributed without my express written consent. Thank you.